In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. The story is God put a dream inside my heart. And that dream, we just said, okay, if this is a God dream, let's take a hold of this and run. But it's a God thing. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with our producer and co-host, and good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing excellent. Excellent. Is that like a Spanish English like Drop the O, bro? Chop jeez. <laughs> hey man, uh really excited about today's guest. Uh this guy on his thirtieth birthday launched a philanthropic ministry. And to date he's raised over six hundred and twenty thousand dollars in just four years uh to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. So really excited to bring this guy on. But before we do, what's the man word for today? The man word is race. Oh, oh you're so vanilla. Thank you. Thank you are so vanilla. Yeah. Why you got to be racist? I'm just saying you're lame. Yeah, I well. Mean, come on, really? Hey, the race of life you, is... You just, you can't do this. That's not even fair. Go ahead. Why, but why it is. The, ra- <laughs> the race of life, I could go philanthropic, but I didn't. But the race of life, we're all in it. Some are going to finish. Some are not going to finish. Some are going to finish well. Some are going to finish wrong. And so I just thought that was really good. And uh, just hearing uh, some of the stuff that uh, Brent does, I don't know if I could finish his races. But the race of no, life, I want to no. finish well. <laughs> yeah. In a race, all the runners run, but only one gets surprised. That's right. I love the next part where Paul says, so I buffet my body and make it my slave. <laughs> Skinny people call that, say it's buffet, buffet uh-huh. or beat, but I think it's buffet. <laughs> I buffet my body and make it my slave. Eat more, body. Anyway, so, okay, I'll give you the race thing. I think you yeah. just made that up just now. No, I didn't. Uh, but, um, it was but totally it, like but 20 was, minutes ago. Yeah, that's still... Just super <laughs> JV. Anyway, uh, hey, do you have a review shout-out for me today? Yes, Bob C 25 Thank you so much for your review. I think I know that guy. You think? I think he's in Colorado. Oh, he could be. If it's Bob Cohen, I, uh, I know him. Oh, it could be. I've, I've known the last two guys. That's kind of cool. Yeah. 
If it's not Bob, you you're a great man. That's weird. Oh, it's not Bob. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, let's just get into this interview. Thanks, Bob, and uh, all you guys who write those reviews. That really helps us out, moves us up in the search engine. So, uh, guys, thanks so much for getting on board and partnering with us. And Bob, let me know that I said your name, and I want to send you out some goodies. Yep, send you some swag, buddy. So, hey, want to introduce our new friend Brent Silky. Brent is a 33 year old college ministry pastor. Ironman triathlete, triathlete and ultra marathoner. I, I can't even say the words that have a traumatic experience. Uh, he uses his miles to raise awareness about the causes close to his heart. On his 30th birthday, he founded 30 for Freedom Movement, which exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. Like I said earlier, to date, they've raised 600 and well, now I have here $630,000. So maybe I was off on the first, but over $600,000 since its inception for sex trafficking, prevention, rescue operations, and survivor care. Brent lives in St. Paul, Minnesota with his beautiful wife, Elizabeth, of the for the last 11 years. They have three kids. Brent, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks so much, Jim. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and, and what God is doing in your life and uh, your dreams and, and uh, all the things you're doing to to uh to end sex trafficking and just to live out as god's best version on this planet so thanks man hey we're gonna throw you into our rapid fire round are you ready for this i'm ready okay so this what i've done is i've i've shortened it down a little bit and i've i've picked around just for you so I'm gonna I'm calling this the philanthropic round. For some reason, that's my word today. I don't know what that is, but anyway, uh, I'm going to ask you about three words, and I want you to tell me what these words mean to you and why they're so important. Okay, sounds great. All right, here we go. First word is venture. Oh, venture, venture. Uh, they are the engine underneath the hood of Thirty for Freedom, and we could not do this movement to fight sex trafficking without venture. So what, what does Venture do? So Venture started as actually a crazy story. They started with this these two guys, Aaron Smith and Ryan Skoog, both college guys at North Central University in Minneapolis. Aaron heard about admissions need uh, when he was like 20 years old, and he decided he wanted to bike across the country from California all the way to the East Coast. The problem was he didn't own a bike. He wasn't a cyclist. And he didn't know how to raise money, but he wanted to raise money for this missions project. So he talked to Ryan Skoog, who was a youth pastor at Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington, right by the Mall of America. He said, hey, Ryan, can you help me do this? And he said, yeah, let's do it. So their first ever thing that they did was they biked across the country that summer, raised $17,000 for this missions need. And that started this thing called Venture, which to date has raised literally millions of dollars doing things like preventing sex trafficking, rescuing people from sex trafficking, feeding refugees, working with Feed My Starving Children to bring containers of food with millions of meals over. They feed, it's tens of thousands of refugee kids every single day. Oh, wow. And it just started, it literally started with this dream of like, hey, this is something that there's a need in the world and we have to meet it. And that literally was the, the, the inception of what venture is. Man, that is really, really cool. And they're, they're in how many countries right now? Uh, they're all over the world working with different missions partners. They're actually based out of the Twin Cities here. And the the man who, the, one of the co-founders, Ryan Skoog, is actually the man. Uh, I actually became a follower of Jesus in his ministry when I was a, a freshman in college. So it's kind of a crazy way of God just bringing all these pieces together. But 
when God gave me the dream to do 30 for freedom, the first call I made was to venture. I said, Hey, this is what you do. You help people make their miles matter. Can we work this out so that this 30, this 30th birthday dream could become a reality? And they said, absolutely. We can. Gosh, that is super cool. Well, here's the third, here's the second word for you, man. Well, it's actually two words, lighthouse foundation. Yeah. So Lighthouse Foundation Nepal is actually the, so in Nepal, there's a caste system and in the lowest people group and the caste, it's, they're called the, the delete caste and in oh, there, yeah. and they're like, there are like 30 subgroups and in, in, in the bottom, the very bottom of the people are called the body people, B-A-D-I. And so the body people are, their nickname is like the trafficked people. And they, they believe in their culture that uh, you did something in your past life and karma is punishing you. So you're now in the body people. And so these people are trafficked. They are used, they are abused. It's unbelievable. The, the treatment of these people in Nepal and lighthouse foundation, Nepal is this incredible organization that venture partners with on the field there. And they actually, they rescue people out of sex trafficking, out of the brothels. I actually had the honor of meeting uh, one of the leaders of this organization who actually is a pastor and he's like Liam Neeson. He literally will go in the middle of the night and rescue these girls out of the brothels, bring them to their safe compound that they have where they're housing 500 girls and they're receiving wow. uh, meals, education, discipleship on the top floor of their building compound. It's actually a church. And so they're not only receiving safety and food, but they're receiving eternal food in Christ. It's an amazing organization. So we, our church partners with uh, two churches in northern and southern India and when mm. you say the caste system, so we call them the bottom of that caste, the untouchables. That's what they call mm -hmm. them. Is that the delete and the body? Are they part of that yeah, the, untouchables caste system? Right. So the 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 very lowest would be the, the the caste would be the delete, but the very lowest subgroup of people would be the body and the very, very, very bottom. So yeah, the untouchables. So would the untouchables be the delete or would they be the body? Um, not, not entirely sure how okay, that would okay. translate from an Indian culture to, to Nepalese culture, but they're definitely the people that everyone's like, oh yeah, they're the, the reason they're here is so that we can do whatever we want with them. Well, and the interesting thing about these castes in India is they all, they, what people don't realize is they actually, to a large degree, go by color of skin. So the darker mm. the skin, the lower on the caste. Do you know why that is? I don't, I don't. Isn't that crazy? I, I, it is to, crazy. To me, that's just insane but whatever okay hey so the the next uh two words is free international yes free international uh so there was a guy so i'm a chi alpha pastor we were it's a college ministry and there was a guy who was the chi alpha pastor at purdue and he interacted with an international student and his first exposure to trafficking was one of his international students was telling him about some of the issues happening when his people would come over from their his native country to the to America and the trafficking that would happen. And this guy's heart got so wrecked by hearing about trafficking that he actually started this organization, nonprofit called Free International. They're based out of Las Vegas. They do some of the most heroic rescue work, um, coordinating with FBI, coordinating with local police forces, with attorney general's offices all over the United States. And they're based out of Las Vegas, where prostitution has been in some parts legalized. And so the things that are happening in Las Vegas are crazy. And they're the only, they have this huge vehicle gym. It's like a big RV trailer 
that's a free international mobile unit. And they'll use that to do sting operations, rescue operations, interfacing with, with vice, with PD. And they're the only vehicle like it that have been approved by police force to be on the Las Vegas strip at all times. I think and they're I've, administering to people. What's yeah. this guy's name? Mike Bartell. Oh, I've tried to get him on my podcast. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, early yeah. on, he's just so swamped; it's hard to get a hold of oh, him. For sure. So yeah. we'll actually uh, yeah. now that now that I know you, we'll be able to get him on our show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. No, that's cool, man. So that's really neat. So you're linked up with uh, three real powerful organizations. But before we get into some of the questions I have about your organization, why don't you tell us five minutes about your story, your personal life, things you enjoy, uh, just anything else to give context to our guys. Sure. Well, my story actually starts on the other side of the world, Jim. I was born to a 17-year-old unwed Korean mother. And crazy story. Basically, she met this guy, my birth father. They were together for a while, fell in love, fell out of love, and they broke up. They cut ties, and she found out months later that she was pregnant. Now, it's a very scary situation for any young woman, but especially in South Korea in the mid-'80s. She was impoverished. Her parents were divorced, so she lived with her dad and her dad's parents. And so she had to drop out of school in the eighth grade, clean homes for a living. So it's a pretty dire situation. Wow. Now she finds out she's she's pregnant. And so I so she did something courageous in having a full-term pregnancy, which wasn't always the case. She went full-term. And then on the day I was born, May 28th, 1986, she made another impossible decision, but a courageous one, to give me the opportunity for a different kind of life. And so she gave me up for adoption. So on my birth papers, it's pretty harsh sounding, but this the reality was my legal status was illegitimate and my orphan status was abandoned by mother. Oh. So that's how my life started. The crazier thing is that 30 years earlier in South Dakota, in a small town in South Dakota, uh, uh, there was a young girl looking through a National Geographic magazine and she saw a picture of two South Korean little boys. And God put a dream in her heart that one day she would have kids that looked like that. And so on September 5th, 1986, my 100th day of life, this, this, this really, t- really tough situation of my story and this couple who were told they could never have children collided. And I was adopted by that girl on that farmhouse that one day, 30 years earlier, who God put a dream in her heart to have South Korean little boys. So I was the first half of her dream that God gave her coming to fruition in her life. And Doug and Carol Silkey adopted me into their family. So I went from being illegitimate to being legitimate. I went from being abandoned by mother to adopted and becoming a beloved son in the Silky wow. household. So now so that's you, my, do you have a Korean brother now? I do. Yes. Yeah. So the second half <laughs> of that is about a year and a month or two later, or about 14 months later, uh, we went back to MSP. And picked up my brother, who were not biologically brothers, but were brothers. Yeah. And he was adopted as well. So a different type of situation for his adoption. But uh, it's amazing just to see how God, when he puts a dream in your heart, no matter how young or how old you are, if you'll faithfully follow him, that can come to fruition. And it's usually not in the timing we think, right, Jim? It's, yeah. It happens on his timing, which is perfect. But my brother Adam and I uh, got to be the fulfillment of that dream that was put in my mom's heart 30 years earlier. So pretty crazy. You know, you've kind of got a theme for your life working here. Uh, Early on in this podcast, I'm recognizing that you've got a theme going on, and it is a a dream for your life. Is that a passion Mm. for yours to to help people recognize their dreams? 
Yes, absolutely it is. I think that there are so many, so many of us, especially followers of Christ, who we have a dream that God's put in our hearts. We have a dream that that has been, it could have come out of some kind of event that happened to us or some kind of tragedy or some kind of passion point we have. And we have this dream in our hearts, but sometimes people don't have someone in their life to give them permission to be courageous enough to step out in faith and pursue that dream. And so I would love, and just the, the hope of this podcast today is that anyone listening to this podcast would, would hear from you, Jim, would hear from me and hear from Dale, and they would be given permission to step out in faith and be courageous enough to follow that dream that God put in their heart. Okay, so I bet you I know your life verse. What do you think? I bet it's a Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. <laughs> I do love that verse. And actually, I love that whole, that next little section that says, uh, you know, you'll seek me and you find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 13th verse there. Um, so powerful. Yeah, and I like that verse actually, more. I like that verse more because, you know, I don't believe that we serve a desperate God who needs us. I believe we serve a gracious God who includes mm-hmm. us. And yeah. he said our, our original ministry name was The Great Hunt for God. Because we want guys to pursue God beyond any other trophy or any other race they run, any other trophy they pursue, that they pursue God. And one of the things I, one of the verses that I love is also Psalm 24, and it says, May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. And to me, that's what it's about. It's like when we, when we're asking people to pursue their dream, we're not saying find something, you know, uh, really selfish and go after it. Become a millionaire for your own sake. Have a big house. We're not saying pursue that dream, right? What you're saying is, what is the God dream he's put in your heart? Isn't that what you're saying? Yes, exactly right. Well, and the beauty of that, uh, Brent, is that when when God, God made us, right? So God knew everything about you when you were born in South Korea, the Bible says mm-hmm. in Psalm 139, all the days ordained for you were written in this book before one of them came to be. And he knew that the dreams and passion would that he would put in your heart, he created you. So it makes sense that how could we ever dream a, a dream apart from a God dream and really mm. expect it to bring out our best version? Yeah, Without, right on. You know, so that's really good, man. I, I really... I'm a I'm a I'm a big dreamer. I'm a heart driven guy, not a head driven guy. So I really appreciate that. And, and I can tell, like I can tell you're a heart driven guy. I can tell you're intelligent, but I can also tell you're a heart driven guy because you did something on your thirtieth birthday that a head guy. I don't know, man. This is a heart thing to me. This is a dream thing to me. <laughs> so you're thirty three. Yeah. So just not even four years ago. You turned 30. Now, I got to remember my 30th birthday. My wife threw a surprise party for me, and I remember having a tantrum because I was so upset because she appeared to have forgot my birthday. So (laughs) my 30th birthday was the last birthday I had hair, and it was also the birthday I whined the most. I thought my wife forgot about it. So my birthday Mm. was a little kind of immature. Yours was just the opposite. Tell Mm. us about your 30th birthday and and what God did to inspire a big dream in your heart. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Jim. When I was uh, 20 years old, so 10 years before my 30th birthday, I was sitting in a chapel service at North Central University in Minneapolis. And there was a man who came to speak. I did not know him previously. I was not prepared for what God was going going to do. And his name was David Grant from Project Rescue. And what he talked about, and it was one of my first exposures to hearing about sex trafficking, about these little girls who were being taken and sold and he, he went into detail about what was happening to these girls. 
And I'm sitting there as a college kid and I'm wrecked. I'm messed up. I'm thinking I, I'm squirming in my seat in the chapel. And I'm thinking, how could humanity do this to humanity? And I'm just like, I have to do something. And God, you know, God clearly put something inside my heart that day. And I think, I think of it in terms of food preparation. He put it in the crock pot of my heart. And for the next decade, I let that simmer ah. and, and, and just, just continue to, you know what I mean? To, I was waiting for God to say, okay, this is what you can do with that. Because I knew as a 20-year-old, I could give that an offering that day. I knew I could pray. But I knew that God had something more he wanted me to do along the lines of freedom. And so I'm 29 years old. I'm sitting at a Perkins bakery with uh, Minnesota Twins legend grandson who was in my youth ministry when I youth pastored, Yoel Oliva, the grandson of Tony Oliva, Minnesota Twin, and a great, amazing uh, uh, baseball player for the Twins in the 70s. And I'm sitting there with Yoel, and Yoel says, Brent, what's new? And I said, well, Yoel, I'm turning 30 in five months from today. And he's like, well, you're, you're really getting up there, man. And Yoel was home on leave from the Marine Corps. And I told him, I said, when I turn 30, I, I feel like God's given me a dream to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday to invite 30 people to run with me so we can raise $30,000 to rescue people out of sex trafficking because every 30 seconds, somebody becomes a victim. Oh. So Yoel reaches in, his, he reaches in his pocket and he hands me a $100 bill folded up. And I, I'm pretty sure it was his Christmas present that he had received a few days earlier. This Marine, home on leave, right, gives me his Christmas present. And it's, he says, I hear briefings in the military about trafficking all the time. It's, it's horrendous. It's everywhere. And he hands me that $100 bill and he says, let's do something to end it. So what Yoel did there, in effect, was he put his money where my mouth was. Wow. Right? I had this dream. I had this, this thing I wanted to do. But now he's given essentially the first donation. And what's now the over $630,000 funds are continuing to come in for 2019. And... He gave me that. So I went to my car and we talked about venture. I sent a message to venture and I sent a message to my pastor, Mark Dean, who was overseeing all the youth pastors in Minnesota. And I said, here's my dream. Can we, can we make this thing a reality? And they said, yes. And yes. So for the next five months, I smiled and dialed and I recruited, I tried to recruit 30 friends to run this with me. And the funny thing, Jim, is that when I would say, Hey, would you want to run 30 miles with me on my 30th birthday? Every person said the same thing. They're like, no, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd tell you. <laughs> I'll, pray you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And then as they were saying no, I would share with them the vision of why. That there are mm. every, like every 30 seconds people are being sold into trafficking and the average age of a sexual slave is 13 years old for a girl. For a boy, it's between 9 and 12 years old is oh the average gosh. age. And then they would think about it and most people I talked to would send me a message in a couple of days or a couple of weeks and say, we hate running, but we hate sex trafficking more. We're with you. And so on my 30th birthday, great, one of the greatest days of my life, I showed up at church. We had our start and our finish at our church. And I'm standing there looking down the line, and there's 47 people besides me, so 48 of us total, that wow. said we'll run 30 miles for freedom. And I looked on the other side, and there were 75 young and old alike who said, we will run a 5K version, 3.1 miles of this for this freedom run. And that day was one of the most surreal. I mean, at mile 11 and a half, the news came, and they did an interview right there on the course <laughs> during mile 11 wow. and a half. And when we got back to the church, when it was all said and done, that $30,000 goal, God did immeasurably more than we could ever have asked for or imagined as we saw $81,346 come in wow. that day. 
Wow. And it was one of the most surreal days of my life. And what happened next, I wasn't expecting, Jim, to be really honest with you, because people would come to come up to me and say, hey, we want to, when are we doing this again next year? What's the date for this next year? And I would say, friends, I'm not turning 30 next year, so I don't know what you mean. Yeah. They're like, well, no, we got to keep doing this. And so the second year, we had about 400 people that came that did a, a full 30-mile run, a half marathon, 13.1 miles, or a 5K. We saw like $176,000 a second year. And then the next year we had 600 people. And this last year we had 1,013 people Holy in cow. multiple different chapters. And so that's where it's just, it's, it's been so crazy to see what God has done through this. And this is not a story. And I don't want anyone on the podcast to hear the story and think, oh, good job, Brent. You did a good thing because that's not the story. The story is God put a dream inside my heart. And that dream, we just said, okay, if this is a God dream, let's take a hold of this and run. And other people have said we want we're passionate about fighting trafficking, we're passionate about rescuing people, we're passionate about holistic care for survivors. And so it's just it seems like it's awakened something in so many other people, but it's a God thing. It's not a Brent thing. No, and the moment it becomes I just read today about uh oh, what was that king's name? Nebuchadnezzar. And once you think it's a you thing, you're gonna be uh, chewing on okay. grass with dew on your back, yeah. wild animal baby. Yeah. So we have to be really, yeah. really careful about the God dream. So I have a question for you. I, I run a nonprofit organization. We're constantly fundraising. So how did you raise the money at this race? Did the people go get pledges? Did you have sponsorship? H how do you actually raise the money for this event? Great question. So one of the things that Venture does, I think better than any other organization on the planet, is they have systems set up for this kind of a thing. So back in 2016, they had, a, they had a platform where you could say, hey, I'm running this race. Here's my, here's my name. Here's my picture. Here's what I'm doing. Here's where you can click on this donate button, right? It was, it was really easy to use, really simple. But they actually have an app now that is even better. It's amazing. It's called Venture Miles. You can check it out on venturemiles.org. And what it does and what we're doing for 2020 is we're setting up teams so that if you have your church wants to participate in 30 for Freedom, you can set up a church team under 30 for freedom and your entire church can say, Hey, we're running this race. We're running 30 miles or we're running 13 or 10 or 10, 10 K or five K for this cause. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to match it at this level. And then people can just give right there. They get receded from venture. Everything's taken care of. It's so slick and it's so great because, you know, it's a day where people are social media fundraising and their email fundraising and doing all these things. We're empowering the next generation to use the tools that they have before them not for themselves and their own promotion, but for a God thing for the promotion of freedom for other people. So the individual so it's, runners it's, are raising funds for the race. Yep. Okay. Yep. So the original, the original year I said, Hey, I'm turning 30, 30 miles. Everyone could run 30 miles and raise a thousand. And so everyone's like, okay, let's do it. So their challenge was a thousand. If you're going to run the full 30. And so everyone who ran the 30, they averaged out that everyone raised more than a thousand because people were like, you're running how long to do what? And so now we have four different levels and four distances. We say, hey, a suggested amount to raise would be a thousand if you're running the 30, you know, you know, 500, 250, 250. And uh, we have people that have said, you know, I don't run, I can't run, but I'm really passionate about X, Y, and Z. Can I do this? Like we have a guy that uh, one of my got friends at church, he said, I'm going to do an iron butt ride where I want to do a thousand mile bike ride for freedom. Can I do that in a day? So he's going to be able to do his iron butt ride for freedom. We have another guy that said, hey, I do barefoot water skiing. I'm going to barefoot water ski 30 miles over the summer. And he raised over $11,500 this year because he took his passion 
and you use it for freedom. And that's, that's kind of what it's all about. It's empowering people to take whether it's a running passion or it's something else that they can do to be what Paul Herkman, the executive director at Venture says is we help people move from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of those who are suffering. Yeah, that's really good, man. So here's a question I have, you know, I, I go back to the 300 mid 300s AD and St. Augustine who said, you know, love God and do as you wish. And what he was saying there was if you are sold out for Jesus, then the things that are on your heart are probably from Jesus, right? That, that God will put the things on your heart if you are sold out for him. That's the way I interpret that. And so you're, you're pursuing a dream that's obviously a God dream. One of the things I see happen a lot of times with uh, young, younger people in particular, you know, 14 to 24, 30, is they have a mm-hmm. dream, but the dream is really more about them. Their their mm-hmm. repetitive mission trips. They're just it seems to be their dream and a dream that's for them. It's very selfish. It's very inward. How do you determine? How, I want you to speak to these to our listeners right now. How do you determine that a dream is truly a God dream and not a selfish dream for your own notoriety? How does that? How do you discern and sift that out? Yeah, that's a great great question, and it's a really important one, Jim. I think the the way the way that my brain processes, and as you talked about, I'm a heart guy as well. The way yeah. my heart processes things is if it's something where I'm like, oh man, that'd be really fun, or that'd be really great, or that'd be a great Instagram post, or that'd be a great whatever. That's usually like the the quick instant gratification is usually, in my case, for myself at least, is usually a self selfish kind of a ambition. And I had a professor in college who impacted my life so profoundly, named Jeff Grinnell. And he said, you can pursue selfish ambitions or you can pursue holy ambitions. And what I have found is when there is something like a holy ambition being stirred in my soul, uh, it's something where I don't necessarily move on it right away outwardly. I'm, I'm moving on it inwardly. I'm, I'm maybe praying about it or fasting about it or both. But that's where I went back to that illustration of the crockpot. This 30 for freedom thing, this was a 10-year crockpot in my heart. And uh, other things that I've that I've really been God dreams have been things that have really taken sometimes months, sometimes years to simmer in the crock pot where it's like, okay, let's get all the stuff that's that's of me out of here. And let's make sure that this is something that God wants us to do, because if it's a selfish ambition, I don't really want to I don't really have time to (laughs) be pursuing those things and pursuing the God things. You really have to choose. And I think for a lot of young, especially younger people, I work with Generation Z and work work with millennials. And sometimes we just want to do it now. But I'm like, hey, if this is a God thing, wait on his timing, make sure it's of him and let it simmer in the crock pot for a little bit before just jumping on something. Because then I think we can burn out if it's a selfish ambition, right? We jump on it really fast. We want instant gratification. We can burn out. Whereas if we let it simmer, we can have what Angela Duckworth calls grit, right? That, that continued perseverance in the same direction for a long time. And so that's what I, that's what I would encourage our listeners to do. Let it simmer a little bit in the crock pot. Um, have some people, wisdom uh, being spoken over your life from mentors and leaders in your life that know you and can see a little bit of a zoomed out perspective to help you understand, is this really, is this a, is this a me thing or is this a God thing? Men in the arena, listen to this. That that was the most powerful one minute I've heard in a long time. That was so good, man. It has, the problem with men is we're not, sexually, we're microwaves. The women are the crockpots, right? Mm-hmm. In life, we're the microwaves. We're the focus. Get it done. Make a decision. Be decisive. Go, 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 go. And I, but the problem is, 
and especially when you're talking about Generation Z, you're talking about the millennial generation, everything in their life has been the ability to have it now, information now, gratification now. And so that generation, unlike any other generation in the history of the world, has to discipline themselves to discern the God dream. Because I agree with you, uh, Brent, the God dream usually involves slow roasting, simmering. Mm -hmm. Uh, It involves grit because it involves perseverance over time. Uh, And I think that is so powerful, man, that if if I can have it now, I, I wonder if that's a ploy of the enemy, right? You can have it and you can have it now. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe that's not from God. Maybe that that dream is a selfish ambition. I, I was just asked yesterday to sit on a national board for men. And so I'm really processing that because that sounds really, really good, and there's a lot of benefits for me personally. But I'm going, is this a God thing? <laughs> You know, and so right. yeah. uh, we've got to be really, really careful uh, about you know dreaming the God dream and making sure that that we are out of it. You know, Paul said in Galatians two twenty, "I've been crucified with Christ; therefore, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. This life I live in the flesh, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me." But but you've got, but you've got your dream. Uh, I love your dream. Uh, I, I acknowledge it's a God dream, and you actually have a three pronged approach to your God dream, right? So can you walk yep. us through the three pronged approach of? And I'm wondering if your three organizations you support uh, represent each prong here. But your three prong approach of your ministry and your philanthropic efforts are number one prevention, number two rescue operations, and number three survivor care. Can you walk us yes, through those absolutely. and what organizations are linked up to each? Yes, absolutely, Jim. So the first one is the best case scenario. If we can prevent a young child or a girl or even even a young boy from being trafficked in the first place, that's that's a huge, huge win. And so some, some of our partners in Southeast Asia, they actually have, um, it's, it's an unbelievable setup. They have a person who's like a social worker and a person who's a former trafficking uh, victim who's now a survivor. And they're teamed up and they're in plain, regular, everyday clothes. And they're standing there at these border crossing stations and they're watching for, because a lot of times the traffickers are cowards. And so they'll just a lot send of times? kids across the border. Well, yeah. They are. I mean? like in, <laughs> they, right. But in, the, in, this, in these instances, they're sending kids across alone and then they have people pit waiting to pick them up when they get to the other side. So what, they'll, so what our people are doing are they're literally they're at, their sta- they're at the stations and as they see these vulnerable kids, what they're doing is they're talking to them. But not just from the perspective of a social worker and a, a trustworthy adult, but from someone who's been in it, in it before. And so they'll actually stop them. They'll prevent it from happening. And they'll bring them to our safe places. And so that happened in, for, with, with Venture last year. They had 948 children intercepted at borders that Whoa. were prevented wow. from being trafficked. And I think about the fact that those kids don't have to experience the horrific nightmare of being trafficked and all the trauma and all the uh, the unbel- unthinkable things that take place uh, in the life of a trafficking victim. So that's our that's our primary thing. If we can do that, that that's a huge win. Free International is an amazing job. They actually will train law enforcement, first responders, educators, teachers. They do these trainings on. And I actually had the opportunity in March to sit through one of their educator trainings about what are signs to look for in the classroom of people who are being trafficked because in America with our truancy laws, they said like 80 some percent of people who are being trafficked who are school age are sitting in the classroom. 
So how can teachers have a different perspective and what to look for? Wow. And so, pre- so wow. prevention in America sometimes looks a little different than in Southeast Asia, but Free International is doing an incredible job of training people to see things differently to be able to protect them from that. The second thing is rescue operations. And so Free International does that here on the homeland, right, in America. Um, we have Project Rescue and um, Lighthouse Foundation Nepal working with Venture in the field. And they're actually, will sometimes go into the brothels and they'll actually rescue people in the middle of the night, sometimes under the cover of darkest night. Um, it happens here where uh, the Free International team will actually take the, the list of missing children in an area and they will canvas neighborhoods and they will they will sometimes find like eight kids in a given search night or a 72 hour window. They'll find many of these kids who are, run, you know, have run away from home and they've come to Las Vegas. They say a runaway kid will be approached within the first. I think it's 48 hours by a trafficker. And so um, wow. the, so if we can rescue them out of it, that's incredible. And unfortunately, a high percentage of people never get rescued. But if we can rescue them out of it, that's amazing. But then what's the next thing? Because physical safety is only a small part, part of the puzzle. It's a part of it. It's important. But it's there's the trauma, you know, there's all of the there's all of the things that go into holistic restoration of mind, body, and soul recovery. And so that's where in Southeast Asia in Nepal, when they're rescued, it's not just like, hey, have a great life. It's like, hey, we're gonna bring you to a place and we're gonna ha- give you education. We're gonna we're gonna give you an opportunity to meet Jesus. We're gonna give you an opportunity to live in these places with these house moms and dads who are going to care for you and take, you know what I mean? Like help you work through some of these things. And so my wife is actually a therapist. She's actually a mental health professional. And her, one of her passions is to work with people who have been through trauma. And one of our heart passions as a family, if you didn't, if you didn't know it, it was helping fight sex trafficking. Yeah. And she helps with on the restoration end. She's actually going to be going to Nepal to train the house moms on some basic things to know when you're dealing with someone who's been through trauma. Here are ways that you can help do this. Here are ways you can help do that. And so we believe that those three things are absolutely vital to the whole process. Um, If we can prevent it from happening, that's the best case scenario. If they are trafficked, we want to rescue them out and not just rescue them out, but provide them with opportunities um, to be restored mind, body, and soul. That that approach is pretty common among people who are working against uh, sex trafficking, the prevention, the uh, rescue, and the survivor care. And so you're, that, that's very, very common, and I really appreciate that. So we had a vig, uh, Bo Quickle on our podcast a while back, and he has an organization called Vigilante Truth where he goes into truck stops and country <laughs> clubs, and he, he poses as a, you know, a lady of the night or whatever through the Internet and then walks in and, and nails these guys in the hotel. And so he has a, a real strong ministry to the men mm. who are the perpetrators, the violators. Right. So my question is, what percentage of these violators, when it comes to sex trafficking and these uh, the users, the, uh, the uh, people paying for sex, what percentage are men? Oh, man. I don't know that number. Uh, to be honest with you, off the top of my head, um, it's a, it's a pretty significant number, I would imagine. Um, I think one of the most shocking things, and I I'm, it's, I think even on this podcast, it's been talked about before. People are you get all these men that are like, "Oh, I can't believe this is happening." Like, these kids and these girls and these boys, and then it, they're like, "What can I do to stop it? Can I go kick down a door?" And it's like, well, the greatest thing you can do right now, if you're looking at porn, is stop. Yes. Don't look at porn stop throw that out get rid of that because that drives 
that drives the demand. And when the demand is up, then you have to, it's an unbelievable cycle. And I think so many men are just sort of, they're trapped in this, this porn addiction that feeds the beast. And it yeah. actually, they, I talked to a, a woman two summers ago and she, she was working with an anti-trafficking organization. And she said, it's unbelievable. Like the lifespan of a trafficking victim is so short once they've been started in the trafficking process. And she said, how many of them end up in pornographic materials that so mm. many people are l- looking at these things and it's probably someone who's not even living anymore. And I just like, she's like, it, she, when she speaks to these different groups, she was just saying like, stop looking at pornography because that will stop, that will cut off part of the demand for trafficking. And I was just like, this, this is, this, this needs to be known, you know? Yeah. I think for pornography, I think women are about 30% users and men are 70. It's somewhere in there. But as far as actual, the actual prostitution, the trafficking, it's, it's gotta be high nineties for the men, right? I wouldn't you think it's a high nineties that are the violators out there that are stealing these girls that are selling these girls that are buying these girls. So the, the creepy thing, to be honest with you, Jim, is so yes, I, I would say for the people that are actually going and paying somebody to have sex with a kid or paying someone to, to do this kind of stuff, I would say it's vast majority is men. The crazy thing and the creepy thing to me, it's all creepy, is that women are used in a different way with trafficking hmm. to be, befriend these kids or to do, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, oh. it's a different role, but it's, a, it's another layer in. And I've even heard even this last week, um, I, I was was talking to um, a, a youth a youth leader in an organization in Minnesota, and he said, "You know, it's crazy to me that they will actually even train up minors to go into inf- infiltrate youth groups, infiltrate different places." And I don't say that to I'm not a fear monger, but I don't. But it's crazy to me this levels of sophistication that are happening within trafficking to recruit more people from places like schools and youth groups and churches and things like that. So while I think the offenders a lot of times are men, I think that there are women that are being roped into this and are being used in this in these industries in wow. super dark and twisted ways. That is so twisted. We're going to come right back. I want to hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back at you. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots on the ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. Well, in my logic here, so so we believe very passionately that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And so if we fix the men, we fix the problem. And if we look at sex trafficking, I think men are a huge huge overwhelming source of the problem and so are there organizations out there brent that are actually working i i know um uh, dr doug weiss down in colorado springs has heart-to-heart counseling are there any other organizations out there that are helping 
men go from violator to uh, you know a guy who's partnering to stop this thing? Do you know any groups out there doing that? Not not off the top of my head. I, I hope there are, and I hope that those groups continue to grow because that is that is sorely needed in our world today. Yeah, we really do need to, you know, because there are those guys out there that are just violent, sociopathic, creepy guys that I don't even tell you what I think should happen to them. But there are also those guys out there, and we've been we've dealt with a couple recently who are who have got, walked into us sex addiction and and it led to you know buying these young gals and all this stuff and these guys just need help they just need help and so i just was wondering if that was something that you had heard of or if you know of anybody else who's doing that but um hey let's get back to your dreaming i i i love i love the passion and it's fun to see a guy i believe that we really walk in our best version as we give our lives to christ and let him grow this dream and this passion in us and you clearly have that and it's exciting and it's contagious uh, do you have a new dream on your heart do you have anything that's happening here in the near future that like the next step with brett silky what's going on man yeah no it's a great question jim i appreciate that so 30 for freedom 2020 um, we're looking at our potentially our largest year of involvement fundraising and and making a difference together but there is another dream that god's put on my heart I was sitting at a funeral, actually, of a, a young man who was one of my dear friends and who uh, lost his battle with depression and ended in suicide. Oh. And I was sitting at his funeral in the row behind his family, and I was so distraught over the loss of his life and of suicide and depression. And it's really an epidemic of mental health disorders and different yeah. things happening all over the world um, that I, I sat there. And I, and I was thinking, like, what, what could possibly be done to prevent another family from having to walk through this unbelievable tragedy? And so God began to stir something in my heart a couple of years ago, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I didn't jump on anything right away. And I really thought through it, and I was, you know, consulting with mentors and with different people that, I, that speak into my life. And I came to this idea that what if, instead of doing... A run, a so like a run alone. What if I partnered with an existing run and brought awareness to this issue of suicidal ideation, depression, and mental illness? And so it's called the Hope Run. And what the Hope Run is is I'm going to be running at Twin Cities Marathon 2020 on October 4th. And it's not just running the marathon because that's a fun challenge in in and of itself. But where I found that about on average 800,000 people a year globally commit suicide, which if you do the math is about every 40 seconds. And so what we're going, going to do is we're going to have people, we're going to have teams along every single mile marker of the Twin Cities Marathon. There's about 300,000 spectators at this race. And oh, well, how many, how people, many racers, Brent? Um, the marathon, I believe, has between six and 7,000. Holy 8, cow. So this is legit. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a big, this is the, this is the big Minnesota. There's grandmas in Twin Cities are the big, uh, most widely known marathons in Minnesota. Okay. And so I talked to, I've talked to Twin Cities in Motion. I pitched them my idea and they gave me the stamp of approval. They're going to help me promote this thing. I'm super excited about it. But I believe it's a God dream because what we're going to do is we're going to have different teams of people at every mile marker and we're going to have a bright neon shirt that says the Hope Run. And what we're going to do is every mile marker, I'm going to pull off to the side of the road off the course, so I'm not in anyone's way, and we're going to do 40 push-ups. And those 40 push-ups are going to bring awareness to the fact that every 40 seconds someone commits suicide. 
and I'm going to get back on the course with the other runners and keep running. But all of that team is going to have the same shirt on. People are going to say, what is going on? What, what just happened? Why did you guys do those pushups? And we get to bring, raise awareness to the 300,000 people on the course that day and say, did you know that every 40 seconds someone commits suicide? We're running to bring hope, to deliver hope to those struggling with depression and mental illness. And then again, mile two, the same thing happens with another team of people wearing the same brightly colored shirts until we do that to, to the very, very end. And there's this, um, it actually, it's the most gorgeous finish line area, I think, in the world. I've run Boston Marathon. I think it's a more beautiful finish line than Boston. You come over the hill on Summit Avenue and there's a cathedral at the top. You look down at the, at the road and there's these two massive fire trucks with their ladders extended, Jim. American flag hanging between these fire trucks and the Capitol is your backdrop. And wow. we run down the hill. We finish at the finish line. And then there's a family meeting area on the Capitol lawn. And my vision is that we'd have like hundreds of us wearing these the Hope Run shirts. And we do our final set of push-ups together to raise awareness on the Capitol lawn on the finish line of Twin Cities Marathon. That's awesome. So, so I have a question for you. Are yeah. all the neon shirts doing push-ups? When you pull over, how, are, are all Hope Run runners? Because there's a So there's a run within the marathon, right? So yeah. the Hope Runners are all in neon. Are they yeah. all doing push-ups every mile? Yes, if they can. And yeah. then are the green, are the neon shirts that are there gathered that aren't runners, are they doing push-ups? If they're able, physically able, we want everyone to be able to do that. Yep. So so you potentially have 26 stations with 26 different groups of neon shirts doing yep. 40 push-ups, but the runners are doing 40 times 26. That's got to be 1,000. And, and then the finish line. So 27 times 40 is 1,080. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a strong guy. I'm a weightlifter. And I can yeah. rock out 40 push-ups, but to do 40 push-ups 27 times and run a marathon, bro, do you know what you're doing? I mean, have you thought yeah. this through? <laughs> yeah, it's it's no joke. And I think that's the, the physical discomfort of it is something that uh, I think people that are a little crazy like me will say, hey, I want to do that. I did a test run. My first test run this week actually I did eight miles. So I did 320 push-ups over eight miles. And uh, it actually went really well. Um, I've talked to a couple of every, everyone I've talked to in Minnesota about this idea. They're like, dude, let's go. Either they've attempted suicide or they know someone who's attempted or they know someone who's committed and completed. And so it's, it's, I'm, I'm discovering more and more people that are in my current existing network of friends and family that I'm like, wow, I didn't actually know that was part of your story. Hey, I didn't know that was a part of your family's story. And so getting people on board and if people can't do the pushups, I want them to run. If they can't run, I want them to do the pushups. They can do both. Great. If they can be a team leader at one of the stations, that's fantastic. And they can organize their team of people. So, um, yeah, that's that's my dream for 2020. So I had, hope I had two friends in high school committed suicide. And this box mm. is, a, is a forever reminder. Oh, sorry. This box is a forever reminder. On December 21st, 2012, my stepdad committed suicide in the box that we got the gun back came in that box. And so, you know, oh. I, I, that's something that's really uh, – close to my heart and and mm. I think one out of three have contemplated suicide in their life and a military a 20 is it what's the number for military 22 22 a day a yep. day and so my question so what, what would be really fun I, I hate using the word fun what we need to do is when you when is this hope run October 4th 2020 so why don't you Sunday. reach out to me because I'll forget and let's get you back on the show and do a do a recap of the run and how you did. I think our guys would really be intrigued. 
uh, to see how that went, how many guys were the, how many people showed up to help you, how many pushups you got through. Uh, I, I love interviewing guys that do extreme things. Marathons are a dime a dozen, but to do the marathon plus the 40 pushups, I don't think people realize how brutal that is. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> That's going to be worse than a 50-mile ultra, buddy, I think. <laughs> I really do. So you, I want to let's get you back on the show, Brent. That'll be okay. really fun to, to hear your yeah. heart there. And then maybe we do a whole podcast on – uh, suicide prevention and and mm. and how what we can learn about that. So, hey, I have another question. You know, one of the things I get you guys on the podcast, we have an overwhelming amount of guys with ministries and passions in the east, and man, mm. it, it's crickets out here in the west. We're in northern Oregon. It's crickets out here in the west. I would love to see an organization like Thirty for Freedom come out to the west uh, and partner yeah. with guys like me out here. It'd be great to 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 maybe have a race out here. So if you're listening and you're a guy in the West and you're one of those guys that likes to run, man, it'd be great to have you partner with 30 for freedom and uh, have an event out here. And and if they do a 30 for freedom event, does the, do the funds have to go to your three prong deal or can they pick themselves? So historically what we've done with 30 for freedom, because we've had chapters, uh, we've had, I think as many as 14 chapters in a year. And what we do with that is we have everyone, as they raise funds, the easiest way to do it is to raise through the Venture Miles app that we have. And so when they do that, those funds will all get dispersed to the organizations that we've pre-selected and have board approval and all that kind of a thing. So it would be Free International, Project Rescue, um, Lighthouse Foundation in Nepal, and then that's through Venture. All right. So guys, if you're here listening and, and uh, you're in the West, man, I want to call you out and call you up and actually get involved here. So what, what kind of impact have you guys seen as an overflow of this movement in your life personally? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that, and this, I heard about sex trafficking before I was ever married or a dad, but now being married now with having, having children, having two daughters, thinking about the world that my kids will grow up and live in and that they are living in. Um, it, it, it for me, it, it, it turns up the, in, the intensity and the urgency of, of, of uh, tackling this issue. And so Jim, I'm sitting at my computer at my desk. Um, this was earlier in the year and my seven year old daughter came up to me and said, dad, can I run 30 for freedom this year? Can I run so someone can be free? And we talked, mm. we talked to them in, in, you know, in appropriate terms for children, but we say there are people that are, that are in slavery, they're trapped and we want to run this so they can be free. So all, all five of us, including my one year old son at the time, uh, put them in the stroller and we all did 30 for freedom together this year. So that that's had an impact on our family and how we view things. Um, I don't, I don't do a race anymore these days unless it's got a purpose behind it. Um, and I think one thing that was chilling that happened, um, so this is not just me personally as a family, but as an organization, I shared that I talked to a pastor in the area that works with anti-trafficking. He talked to a pimp from Minneapolis and the pimp told him that he'll go up to girls at the mall of America He'll look them in the eye and they'll say, yeah, you are beautiful. And if they look down, if they show any sign of vulnerability, they absolutely, he, he's like, they're a target. Yep. But if they look him in the eye and they say, thank you. And there's confidence behind that voice. He said, they're instantly not a target. So at our huge rally before 30 for freedom, twin cities, before the starting gun went off, I shared that one story. And the next week, Jen, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. I get a message on Instagram from a girl in one of the, you know, suburbs of Minneapolis. And she said, this exact scenario just happened to me at work. She said, we called the police. We called my dad. She's like, I can't imagine where I'd be right now if I didn't have that information. And I was like, Oh my word. Like wow. 
Well, and I'm going to take that a step further. We called the police and we called my dad. I would say that would have never happened because her dad is in her life. Because it's the dads who give the the daughter worth. It's the dad who expresses the daughter beauty. It's the dad who says, "Look a man in the eye. You know, look, talk. You know, and be you know, be a woman of self respect." And I think the man yeah. has such a powerful part. I mean, you said it in your testimony. I called the police mm-hmm. and my dad. I mean, yeah. How many little? Yep. How many gals out there today would call the police and have no dad to call? Wow. You know, so it's a, so we believe, you know, when a man gets, everyone wins and, uh, I'm just very passionate about that and appreciate what you're doing. So how, how can our guys listening right now get involved in 30 for freedom? I think the easiest way is to go on 30 for freedom.org. That's 3304forfreedom.org. Uh, so that's the best way to get connected there. We have all of our, all of our social media handles attached to the website there. Um, they can get involved. And the cool thing is that if we don't have a chapter already in their city, on, under the registration options, Jim, they can actually choose uh, on my own and they can actually register for 30 for freedom. They can do their own event that they want to do on their own, like the barefoot water skiing guy, right? Yeah. Uh, they can do their thing that they're passionate about, raising awareness about trafficking, raising funds through 30 for freedom through the organizations we've selected. And they can be anywhere in the world. Man, that's really good. We could do that with our death ruck, man. 40, 48 miles for freedom, baby. I don't walk. I, I don't run. I walk. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So what are your dreams for the future, man, for 30 for Freedom? Uh, One of my dreams is that 30 for Freedom can come to a point where we have people that are literally participating all over the world, raising awareness and raising funds, and that on an annual basis that we could give a million dollars to anti-trafficking efforts every year. And I think it's a little bit crazy of a God dream, but uh, (laughs) he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. And I just believe that the the need is out there. I believe that we have the opportunity to do something. And if God has given us the stewardship of an opportunity, I want to be the best possible steward of that. And so that's that's the idea that um, <clears throat> and people think sometimes people say, hey, is that a nonprofit? Is 30 for Freedom a nonprofit? And just to be clear for the listeners, 30 for Freedom is a movement of people that funds nonprofits. And so that's why we're funding Venture and Lighthouse Foundation Nepal and Free International and Project Rescue. Um, so the funds we raise, I don't take a salary from 30 for freedom. We don't, none of our board does. We're, we're all we're entirely volunteer led so that every penny given goes directly to the causes we believe in so much. Wow. 100%. That's impressive. Yep. <clears throat> That's impressive. Well, Hey Brent, man. So you, you said we can get a hold of you at 30 for freedom.org. And so yep. that's, I really appreciate this. Appreciate your heart. Appreciate your mm-hmm. not only dreaming a big dream, but allowing God to bring that to fruition and continue to bear bear fruit, man. So, man, my blessings upon you, brother. I'm I'm excited for what you're doing, and thanks so much for coming on the show. It's an honor to be with you today, Jim. Thank you so much. I, I look forward to hearing from you in October. I want to do it. You'll be like all Arnold Schwarzenegger out, like I did ma- <laughs> thousand push ups, you know, type of thing. So, hey guys, what's next, man? What's the action step? What are you going to do because of this event? And and I want to link this uh, podcast up with uh, December third, which is uh, Giving Tuesday, the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And I want to challenge you guys to give to like the causes that you care about, whether it be to stop sex trafficking, whether it be to help men walk in their best version, whatever it could be to rescue pets. I don't know, even 
I won't say the word cats, but ah. but somebody might have a passion for that out there. It ain't me. But give to a cause you care about. Think about that for Tuesday. Guys, we'll also post this action item on our equipping blast. It goes out to thousands of you guys around the world. And uh, while you're at it, go to our website, meninthearena.org. Grab a free electronic what type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.